Throw the fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 39 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rose Street Journal. The Fantasy Fullback Dive, your lead blocker as we pave the way to Fantasy League glory. Your trophy, your plaque. If you have a plaque, you're a weirdo. But anyway, whatever you're playing for, that's what we're going to lead. <laughs> your your random you piece of crap, as you said last time. Sure, <laughs> whatever, it is. whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I mean, if, <laughs> that I guess nobody I, else cares about. <laughs> I guess I, yeah, sure. Why not? We're going we're gonna to lead block. We're going to get you there. We're going to get you the fantasy <laughs> promised land. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Rotor Street himself, having a little bit of a lighting issue in his um, glamorous penthouse apartment in beautiful Beverly. And, uh, I'm although, in Salem was, now, my man. I'm oh, in Salem. my mistake. I didn't realize. Big move. Upper crust. Very nice. Absolutely. Um, well, this time of the year, it's fucking hell. Salem during Oh, Halloween. man. Salem in October. I wouldn't even go into Salem, like, starting October 1st. I would just it's stay out of the town. The you traffic just... getting home from work is just ball-busting. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Well, right. so be it. Everything's good because fantasy football's still going on, right? Oh, yeah. There's plenty of good stuff going on. But it is a real bitch traveling through Salem in October. I'll have to come time. up with some sort of segment in my car, like... Thought, fantasy thoughts while stuck in two hours of traffic, like whatever that might be. I'll, I'll be streaming live from from hell on earth. That, By that's seeing like 300 people on the sidewalk wearing like witch costumes. <laughs> exactly. Psycho fucking murderous Teletubbies wandering the streets. <laughs> what the fuck was that I saw today while trying to type my rankings up? Like that's the distractions the wolf has to deal with these days. Right. And that's not even like after having like taken acid or anything. That's just normal how Salem is in October. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's horrendous. Anyway. So imagine it on acid. <laughs> I can imagine it. Yes. Uh, we're about a quarter way through, <laughs> we're a quarter way through the season. It was not a good week for yours. Truly. I told, I alluded to that on Monday. I went one and three actually. So, uh, three of my teams came down to earth. I got three, two and two teams, one still coming in at three and one. So no losing teams yet, but I'm on mm-hmm. a thin ice right now. It was not a good week for me. The computer always likes my, my team still. I'm projected to win every game. We'll see. Uh, I'm a little worried about some of my guys. How you looking? I'm good in most leagues, but of course the most important one, the Fez, the auction draft that always haunts me. I just cannot get good at auction drafts. You know, last year it was Demarius Thomas who was at like 20 bucks and I was like, oh, I'll throw in a dollar to make him go higher. Suddenly I'm stuck with him. This year it was Shady McCoy's only at 10 bucks projected to go for like 25, 30. I was like, ah, somebody's going to, you know, keep bidding him up. So 11 bucks. And then I'm stuck with him. And it doesn't seem, you know, it doesn't seem like a ton of money because you. Yeah, but uh, then you don't have it when you need it. Exactly. Like when you want to get those players you actually had on your list to target, that 11 bucks is suddenly not there and you're fucked. And that's what's been killing me these last couple of years in the auction. The snake is just so set. And, and this is not me complaining that the auction is a bad way to draft. I think it's the probably best way. Oh, yeah. It's just so hard to actually perfect and get good at. Uh, but man, other than that, I'm looking great. I got four and O teams out there. I got a couple three and ones. Uh, and this week I got to bounce back in the feds facing big Ben though, which terrifies me at home against, uh, no defense Atlanta. Just, it's going to be a bloodbath. That shootout. What, what is the over under on that game? Have you looked at all? I don't know what the over under is, but I want to know, do you think that's kind of a loser goes home match? 
What's their What's their records right now? One and three Falcons. One, two, and one Steelers. Oh man, I mean, how else can you like? That's going to be real tough to rebound from. And both of them, I feel like, are pretty decent teams. They can put up their points. I, I mean, I think Atlanta's actually a pretty good team. Right. I mean, they have yeah. no defense, obviously. Just but. no defense. So yeah, I mean, I, I see the Steelers winning that, and Atlanta just having a hard time bouncing back the rest of the year. Over under five touchdowns, Julio Jones for the year. <laughs> I'll take the under on that, but I bet you he gets two of them this week. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. All right. All we're right. going to come back with a, we got a jam-packed stock watch trainer's room. We're obviously going to go week five, higher, lower, Hail Mary. We're going to come back with some burning questions, and then we're going to close out on our Slack feed uh, mailbag uh, right uh, after this. Victor Wild Islander. Bringing out the child in you, singing we out are the back. silence. It's the stock watch. It's the trainer's room. Little of both. We got some guys going up. We got some guys going down. We got some guys that are perennially banged up, hopefully coming back. We got a Packers wide receiver that we're going to reference that you've never heard of. I promise. <laughs> I promise you've never heard of <laughs> Hey, you never know, though. The Wolfpack, like, these, I, what I've noticed about our fans is they're pretty diehard fantasy guys. So I bet you there's some sick fuck out there. I bet you Link Clegg has heard of this guy. We'll see. If Link, Link Clegg's heard of this guy, we should send him a shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. He's in the States right now, by the way. Did you know I'm, that? I, I, sometimes some of the messages he sends through Facebook, like I get because I'm a Rotor Street Journal admin. And so I, oh, yeah, I do true, see true. some of his, uh, his communication. Yeah. Good stuff. Love Link Clegg. The best. Anyway, uh, we're going to start with the banged-up Colts. Then we're going to talk Zeke. We're going to talk Joe Mixon. We're going to talk Adrian Peterson. Packers wide receivers that I alluded to. We'll close out with Devontae Freeman. But we're going to start off with the banged-up Colts. Okay? T.Y. Hilton, hamstring. Jack Doyle, hip. Marlon Mack, hamstring. That counts as banged-up. They're out for Week 5 against the Patriots. Talk to us about that trio and what that means and how freaked out everybody should be if they're a Colts fan. Uh, you got to be freaked out because the Patriots are going to roll them, as we already knew. Uh, but they, what, what firepower do they have to attack this defense that just um, almost shut out Miami for an entire game? You know, it's going to be the Naeem. What's that? Eric Ebron. Yeah, Eric Ebron, my ass. The Patriots actually, I found this stat out today, are the uh, least generous team to tight ends in terms of fantasy points, 32nd against them right now. So they're going to shut down him, especially when he's the only guy they seemingly have to focus on. I really think the only guy as a Colts fan or fantasy fan that you'd want to start in this game is Naeem Hines. There's nobody else there. He has, I think, 23 targets on the year, nine catches last week. This guy has actually ended up panning out after we raved about him for the entire offseason, and then he really kind of sucked, you know, that one the entire preseason fumbled and looked like he was really just going down that usage totem pole he's a, gen, genuinely emerges that featured back that we were expecting that we were raving about for so long and he's i mean the top waiver wire pickup of this week a uh, great fantasy you know flex play this week absolutely um, but otherwise you know i don't trust andrew luck even after a career high mm-hmm. 464 yards 62 attempts he's going to probably have to chuck it again but that arm's going to be hurting and I, I just don't see any weapon outside of naeem hines being someone i want in my lineup I agree with you completely. We took a lot of hell for Naeem Hines on YouTube for a while. Yeah. People were talking a lot of shit. I, and I like that we can throw it right back in their face. Even uh, if we – I hate the fact that we jumped off on him though because then it's like, uh, do we really love him if we had got off the train? But still, no. at one point we loved him and he's doing what we thought. Right, and that that's where the conversation ends. Absolutely. All right, Zeke update. This one's not much to it. Uh, Zeke Elliott, ankle and knee, said he's, quote, and this is a direct quote, good. For week five against the Texans. I mean, he's practicing in full. Is there anything to say? 
Nothing at all, other than the fact that he, the, there's some concerns, some hysteria going on early on in the week when it said he had ankle and knee injuries going on. Rod Smith became a big popular waiver wire ad, a guy you might end up streaming. None of that's going to matter. It's Zeke Elliott. The only guys I have above him this week are Gurley, Gordon, and Kamara. The NFL's leading rusher. Zeke's just a horse, and he's a beast, and it makes anybody who took him over David Johnson looking very smart right now. Oh, uh, David Johnson. Uh, <sighs> don't even get me started. Um Tears are rolling down my face, man. It just makes me feel bad. Yeah. Joe Mixon, knee, was officially limited in Wednesday's practice, but the Cincinnati Inquirer's Paul Denner, or Denner, <laughs> how, depending on whether you want to give it like the French or Spanish or just straight up boring English pronunciation, expects <laughs> Joe Mixon to play week five against the Dolphins. Uh, Giovanni Bernard looked pretty good in his absence, I have to say. He absolutely did. Bernard performed like a true workhorse. And this is an article I want to come up with this week. I don't know exactly what to call it. So I, I'm interested to hear your feedback before I get in the mixing. But there's just these players that have chunks, like two to three game chunks over a season where the lead running back or lead receiver, someone gets hurt, even tight end like Dallas Goddard, if Zach Ertz ever went down. And these guys end up being two to three game like heroes. And then they disappear. Like G- Giovanni Bernard, as soon as Mixon's back, isn't someone you can put in your lineup. But man, he got you 20 to 30 points for your flex the last couple weeks. I mean, that's a hero. That's a that's a lottery ticket, even if it's only a short term one. So I got to kind of think of a glossary term or something of that nature, because I think it's very valuable finding those guys. If you find a Bernard and then find the next one and then the next one and you piece it together that i mean you can win a year doing that you really can it's it's humongous to have he's been a top 10 running back every single week since he's been starting uh but for now that cinderella story seems like it's coming to an end mixon's back he was a true true workhorse i do think bernard will get a little bit more work after shining so much but he's shined in his absence before and they've gone right back to mixon so i think mixon will be that kind of 20 to 25 touch guy in his absence I mean, when he's back on the field. And Bernard himself isn't practicing, so who knows exactly how the work will shake out. But when you're facing Miami, who just got pummeled both mm. on the ground by Sony Michelle in the air from James White, they get destroyed in every single way by running backs. Their linebacking core is so slow and horrendous that Joe Mixon and – you got to roll him out. He's my RB10 for the week. As long as he's out there, you know, we got to make sure it's confirmed. But yeah, I wish I had this quote in there. The, the Mar- Marvin Lewis said, quote, the sun is up when asked about Mixon. So if there's ever anything more suggestive than that, I think he's playing. And I think you got to absolutely have him in there. Plus only 6,900 on DraftKings. Great play there as well. All right. Adrian Peterson, maybe the corpse, maybe not. Uh, his ankle, he's not practicing on Wednesday. Uh, you have him like his, what, 21 this week, mm-hmm. I think. But you're saying like you, you don't love him. Don't love him. I'd rather have Thompson in there. He's facing the Saints. I do love the fact that there's some some revenge factor in there. AP, very spiteful guy. We saw him destroy the Cardinals earlier this season, but the Cardinals have gotten destroyed by literally everybody who's paced them on the ground. So I wouldn't put too much into that. AP was the fifth leading rusher heading into this bye, so he's played – you know, much more than a corpse, even if he is a corpse in running back age. And he's fresh off the bye. But if he's banged up, you know, he came into the bye with a uh, boot on the foot and still isn't practicing with a whole week off. That is a little bit worrisome, especially in a tougher matchup. The Saints obviously get destroyed over the air, giving up the most yards and points and all that through the air outside of the Buccaneers. But then they're they're actually pretty damn good against the run. Maybe that's because everyone just throws against them because they're so bad. But either way, it's going to probably be a back-and-forth type of passing game attack, which doesn't favor AP. If they get up early and he bleeds the clock, you know, against Green Bay, I said the same thing, that it it was going to favor Chris Thompson and 
it became the AP 122 TD day. So you can never just write him off. That's why I have him at running back 21, a top 24 guy, in my opinion. But he could get game floated, especially if he's injured and hampered early on. All right, let's talk about the Packers receivers. I know you you alluded to some of the Wolfpack being informed individuals, but we'll see. (laughs) Geronimo Allison dealing with a concussion and Randall Cobb dealing with a hamstring injury did not practice on Wednesday. In their absence, Coach Mike McCarthy singled out rookie Marquez Valdez-Scantling as the next man up at receiver should they miss week five versus the Lions. Now, you may or may not have heard of him. He actually caught a pass last week. There's actually two other guys uh, you know, that, that we're going to reference here when we're talking about Packers wide receivers. And if anyone here knows who Equinamius St. Brown is, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's, it's true. Aquinamius St. Brown actually got a decent amount of fantasy love early on because he was one of those guys that fell in the draft and had all the talent but a little bit of trouble. And they're like, oh, my God, the, the Packers got him. It's Aaron Rodgers. So he was kind of the guy early on. There was a little bit of Twitter buzz about. But since then, it's become the uh, the Scantling Valdez, whatever these names are, show. He's He's been the more Marquez slot Valdez, style. Scantling. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's favorite household name. Quite the name, though. And can't you just picture, like, Red Zone, it flashes, and the, the announcer, Valdez Scantling's off to the races. Like, it sounds like a, honestly, like a, a horse at the Derby. What's your favorite name uh, that you hear referenced in the NFL when someone yells it out? Uh, whoever's on my fantasy team. My, so, I mean, Melvin Gordon. Melvin uh, Gordon, mine, yet again. Mine's been, Pat Mahomes. Mine's like, been HaHa Clinton Dix for, like, four years. Oh, yeah. I mean, Every in terms time. of actually good, funny names, that's fantastic. I mean, just like when they yell it out, I'm just like, yes. I mean, I, I no, no, I'm not a Packers fan, but I'm so happy when HaHa Clinton Dix gets in there on a tackle. It's a fantastic name. Uh, but then back to our, our boy, Valdez Scantling. Can you actually play him this week? Probably not. But if you're real, real desperate, I have him right around wide receiver 55 near Grant, Chester Rogers, who are also kind of streamable in T.Y. Hilton's absence. Maybe he's a DraftKings blow up around 3000 3, Uh What this means to me more so is Adams could absolutely blow up with nobody else to really throw to. I mean, Jimmy Graham maybe too. Uh, but I love Devontae Adams' spot. Now, granted, the Lions are allowing only the, the second least passing yards behind only the Jaguars right now in the league. They've had a couple easy matches matchups in there but they've been very good against the pass so i don't know exactly that i'm going out there and running to get Valdez scantling but just a, a sleeper streamer in very very deep leagues and another little stock up for Devonte adams for the week we repeat very very deep leagues the deepest <laughs> we're talking like 32 team 32 leagues. team uh you know 20 <laughs> spot roster things you might want to give them a look Coach right. Dan Quinn says he expects Devontae Freeman, struggling with knee injuries, to return week five against the Steelers. I got to say, of all the backs out there, uh, you know, maybe not of all the backs, but man, I've been disappointed by by Freeman. I know there's been some injury, whatever. He found himself in kind of a weird committee situation. I really liked his floor. I did not get in the Devontae Freeman business in any of my leagues. Man, I'm glad I didn't, but I expected mm-hmm. the guy to be a reliable source of points, and he's been exactly the opposite. Right, exactly. He was supposed to be that kind of unsexy upside, but just very dependable, you know, RB1 if you went receiver heavy early, or, you know, even your RB2 in the third round. Everybody raved about him. I've never been on the Devontae Freeman train. I've, I've missed a couple great years, but it, it obviously is helping me out this year. Returning to the fold, to me, it just more so impacts Tevin Coleman, who's been a low-end RB1 in his absence and kind of always will be in that high-powered attack 
I don't know what to exactly expect. How is the workload going to be distributed in his return? Is he going to get all the passing work? Is Coleman still going to be involved? He, Coleman really was already emerging as that 1A to the 1B with uh, even when Freeman was on the field in week one. So who knows exactly how to shake out. I mean, I guess I can go back to these guys with some bye week issues or if you're having injury issues. Like I'd rather have Freeman or Coleman than Shady McCoy, for example. But if, sure. you, if you can bench him and kind of see how it goes, uh, I, I would. But both of them are on that you know low-end RB to flex fringe if you need them to see how this kind of shakes out all right we're going to come right back we're going to talk to you about who we're higher on who we're lower on and who we're willing to take a hail mary on going into week five right after this all right we are back we're going to start with quarterbacks as we are prone to do uh, Jared Goff, this is a guy, I remember a, a friend of mine, Mike, actually uh, gave me a message and I asked on the podcast, preseason, like, isn't there a ton of upside with Jared Goff? And I remember we were we were both like, yeah, but we were like a little lukewarm on it. You know, mm-hmm. neither one of us was like all in, like, yeah, you're a genius. Kind of seems like a genius now. Um, right. You got him as your QB3. So you you are all in now, uh, and that's oh, yeah. that's six spots higher than the experts. Of course, we saw what he did yesterday against that vaunted Minnesota defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you got Russell Wilson against the Rams as your twelve six spots up. I'm interested in that one. The first one I get totally, but go ahead. That that's in one game. They're going against each other. And that's kind of part of the narrative. We'll start with Goff, as you mentioned. Just second year, McVay is a little concerned that maybe McVay gets figured out and they figure out how to, to stop this guy. But there's been nothing but even more offensive firepower on that Rams side. Brandon Cooks has been the perfect fit. Uh, they get deep behind defenses so well, and Goff is just dropping it in to absolute perfection. It's been amazing uh, what he's doing. I don't know how after a almost 50 point explosion last week this guy isn't higher on the experts consensus list right now especially against the seattle defense that just lost earl thomas they're really only good defensive secondary player they're absolutely decimated you know cooper cup robert woods and brandon cooks is just an unfair receiving core and they're always finding the mismatch i that i mean i was originally down on the receivers because like oh you know one guy's always going to be the odd man out and you're never going to be able to project it they all always blow up every single one of them out of 12 potential chances because there's you know three receivers in four games only twice has one of them been under 10 points so these guys are all exploding Goff is delivering the mail to perfection i know our boy joe hopkins roto joe wrote an article jared goff's going to be a season winner for you and man that one's really panning out i think that just continues to roll and i think the second half of that is the russell wilson pick here you know, granted, we entered the year probably lower than anybody on Russell Wilson. He was kind of the consensus number two quarterback going into the year. He was our guy featured in our overpriced quarterback list in our guide. So we were always down on Russell Wilson, and he's underperformed, underperformed even further than what I expected. So this is an easy direct one. He's down to QB 18, and he's facing a Rams defense that on paper is obviously very ferocious. That D-line is going to get in there. But that's kind of why I like this guy. One, it's going to be a shootout. They're going to be down quite a bit because Jared Goff is going to put up his points. Comeback Russell Wilson is a fantastic fantasy commodity. This guy does ball out. He makes crazy plays with his legs, throwing on the run. He's got Doug Baldwin now back, who looked uh, you know, pretty much fully healthy as we're going to see him at least this year. So with his weapons cabinet finally rounding into form in comeback mode, 
being forced to run and make plays with his legs ends up being some rushing yardage points. I just like Russell Wilson. They have clearly his best game of the year trying to play catch-up mode with Jared Goff. Uh, maybe you have to wait till the second half to see it, but I, I really expect Russell Wilson to put up some real points uh, playing that catch-up mode again. All right, much like you were with, with your Goff pick, this one this one is a, a substantial difference with the mm-hmm. experts, and I'm, I'm dying to hear about it. I'm intrigued. You got Drew Brees playing Washington. You got him as your QB ten. The experts have him up there at QB three. Why so low on the guy? I just am a little bit nervous that this Washington pass defense is uh, as good as they they the numbers suggest they are. They've only allowed 187.3 passing yards per game. That's third in the league behind only Detroit and obviously Jacksonville. And that not that Brees can't do his damage. He's chasing records this week, and we'll probably get them. He only needs I think like 201 yards yeah. to pass the you know in terms of all time passing, and he's going to probably get that. I, I don't doubt it. He'll probably throw at least a touchdown in there too. He's at home where he has a five to nothing touchdown to interception ratio so this guy is great and he's always good with the bright primetime lights especially again with history on the line but I do think you know Ingram returning last year when they had both Ingram and Kamara it was much more ground and pound run that ball out I don't think Washington's offense is so explosive that it becomes a back and forth shootout like we saw with Atlanta you know the defense played quite a bit better last week and maybe they're finally rounding into form and it's just a little bit more of a slugfest than people expect that's kind of what I'm looking at and I think Breeze has to be a little bit lower, especially off a zero TD dud against the Giants. All right. As far as Hail Mary, I know you like Blake Bortles, but I mean, he's <laughs> not he's not as out there and available as, you know, a lot of guys that we might recommend. Mm-hmm. So the other guys you're looking at, you like Carr and you like Mariota. Why? And which yeah, again, one would Bortles- you like more if like you had a gun to your head? If I had a gun to my head, I would go Bortles, Carr, Mariota. Bortles facing Kansas City. If there's any team that's going to put up points against the Jaguars, it's him. You know they're going to come out aggressive against the best team in the league right now, the, the uh, Jaguars' heart. We saw how they played against New England. I think they come out slinging with Bortles, and this is the worst pass defense in the league. So I imagine Bortles will get that job done. And then you look at Carr facing the Chargers, uh, fresh off a 400-yard passing day. And that 400-yard passing day was prompted by a shootout. I think the Chargers, of course, will put up their points against a bad Raiders defense. So Carr is going to, again, have to sling that rock. Cooper finally seems to be finding consistency, which is always famous last words when you talk about Amari Cooper. How can we say Uh, he's finding consistency, though? He's had four games, and every other game has been good or bad. Like You mean consistently like, like every other game? Pretty much, which is more consistent than he's like thirty percent hit rate. Well, and by that, fifty percent is better. I, I still start him. I think in this this matchup against a, a pretty porous, surprisingly bad Chargers defense. I think that's going to be a shootout type of formation until they get Bosa back. They've had real no pass rush, and when Carr has time, he can wheel and deal. So I'm excited to see what Carr does. I think he's a great play this week. And then Mariota looked fantastic. Had nearly forty fantasy points. Got was running the ball, uh, touchdown on the ground, over three hundred yards in the air it looks like LaFleur's system's finally clicking you know Corey Davis is playing inspired ball and Buffalo isn't good so all those things to me add up to to two guys that are being played in under 10 percent of leagues that should be in much more often this week all right let's go to running back Joe Mixon against Miami you got him as your RB 10 that's 24 spots above the experts I'm assuming that that's going to balance out if the guy is declared the starter but regardless you like him a lot you also like Matt Breda a lot against the Cardinals you got him as your 11 that's seven higher than the experts right 
Yeah, and we already talked about Mixon a bit because of how bad Miami's, and I don't think this will stay 24 spots higher. But I saw you know sites major powerhouses like Roto World saying he's back to RB2 form and things like that. This guy's a bona fide workhorse RB1 when he's on the field. Never mind when he's on the field in a complete cakewalk matchup like this. So as long as he's out there, I think you got to treat him as the bona fide workhorse that he is. Even if Gio Bernard played well and kind of nips at his heels a little bit more than expected, I think Mixon still will do absolute work against this horrendous Miami defense. And then Brita squaring off against an Arizona defense that has been a cheat code to play your running backs against. I mean, Mike fucking Davis for Seattle had 123 total yards and two touchdowns. Goodbye, Rashad Penny, first of all. But still, Mike fucking Davis can go over uh, that 25 fantasy points for you against him. I think Brita's far more talented. He's number three in the league in rushing right now. I just have always had a thing for Shanahan backs. They get me horny. I admit it. Uh, In Arizona, when you have the Shanahan hand system going against this god-awful defense they've given up eight rushing touchdowns through these first four weeks literally no running back has had worse than 81 yards in a td that's the worst day a running backs had against them so if that's the floor and mike davis has a 30 point ceiling against these guys i'm just you know foaming at the mouth to think of what matt Breida could do against them all right carlos hyde against baltimore he's out there as the running back 18 that's six spots i mean you got him as 18 that's six spots below where the experts have I definitely fall into your camp on this one. I, I don't. I feel like twelve is just way, way, way too high. Why? How do you defend your eighteen ranking? Right, and I just moved Hyde up last week to RB10 on the season-long big board, which might take a slight hit with Chubb emerging quite a bit. Uh, But it's, one, the matchup. Baltimore is giving up the second-fewest points to running backs. they got a very stout front seven, which makes me nervous about Hyde, even though the the Cleveland do have a powerful line there. uh, I just don't like that matchup. Uh, They're much more burnable in the secondary than they are up front in the run game. And then the Nick Chubb, like I just mentioned, really emerging 62, 60-plus-yard touchdown runs last week. Uh, and, and Hugh Jackson immediately comes out and says, we got to get this guy some. He's scoring long, long touchdowns uh, from a long way out here. we we got to make sure he's getting more work. So you, you combine the workload questions, seeing how this might shake out with the bad matchup, I, I would be a little bit more nervous rolling Hyde out there, even if he's as good of a touchdown bet as there is the lead league in, uh, in terms of rushing touchdowns. Could still plot his way into the end zone, but I don't see him topping more than 50 or so total yards in this one. Hail Mary, you've said that this would have been Naeem Hines, but now you think maybe he's, what is he, owned in like half leagues or something like that? Yeah, he's too popular, and that would just not be cute enough. Yeah, so that's not a Hail Mary, so give me a good Hail Mary. I would say Alfred Morris, you were just raving about Matt Breida and the upside he brings to the table. I can see Alfred Morris still getting into that party. That's how bad the uh, the Cardinals' defense is. And he's become much less owned than Naeem Hines. He's one of the hottest dropped players of this week. And I think people are jumping the ship just a week too early. He's very streamable, I'd say. Again, eight touchdowns through four games is a league high for the Cardinals. And if you, even though Morris didn't plot into the end zone last week, he was subbing in for Breida in those goal-line-to-goal situations. I think he finds pay dirt at least once this week and with the shoulder injury especially if they can get a lead san fran that breed is nursing i could see morris becoming that clock killer and ending up rushing for about 80 in a td isn't without his realm of possibilities for a guy that's getting dropped nearly everywhere right now yeah that's a good call wide receivers guy you're higher on man and man i'm high on this guy too stefan mm-hmm. Diggs, you got him as your wide receiver six the seven above the experts they have him at 13. It's hard for me to imagine 12 guys better than him, but I, I, mm-hmm. I'll look at their list and see who they got. You also like Alshon Jeffrey against the Vikings. You got him as your 18. That's seven spots higher than the experts. Start with Diggs. 
And as you've noticed, too, I, I seem to often be pairing the you know, Russell Wilson, yep. Jared Goff. It's one of my favorite DraftKings strategies. I've been playing a lot better on DraftKings this year than years past. And it's almost always because I'm picking only one or two games and trying to find the highest scores in these potential shootouts. And I am envisioning another shootout situation here with Philadelphia and Minnesota. That Minnesota pass defense, not nearly what it once was after getting bombed for over 460 yards and four touchdowns, I think it was, by Jared Goff. Uh, they've just been getting destroyed week in and week out, which makes me have a lot of faith in Alshon Jeffrey, who didn't look hampered at all, going 8 of 9, 105 in a TD, granted against the Titans, who get burned by every single number one receiver. But still, he, he looked fully healthy, which I wanted to see, and I did see. And him and Carson Wentz just had that chemistry rolling. I think it continues here against Minnesota. But then, of course, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver 6. I don't see how people have him, like you mentioned, 12 guys above this guy. Blows my mind, especially when he's facing the, you know, third lowest graded cornerback by pro football focus right now. Jalen Mills has been a weekly whipping post for wide receivers. He's allowing a 67% catch rate. He's allowed 324 yards on guys that he's covering. That's third most in the league. He's allowed two touchdowns as well, zero interceptions, just recently getting thrashed. You know, people were saying, oh, it's because he's faced Julio Jones. He's faced this guy. He just got thrashed by an otherwise non-existent Corey Davis for six uh, receptions, and 112 yards uh, of Corey Davis's blow up day came against Jalen Mills. He's a shorter guy. I just think Diggs is one of the best in contested situations. Uh, he's great at the catch point, and Jalen Mills has been getting destroyed on those catch point type of plays. He's only 7,000 on DraftKings, which I think makes him one of the bona fide must plays. Fresh off a 15-target day, 11-catch, 123-yard day. What does this guy have to do to be higher up in the rankings? I don't get it, but he's a must play. Obviously, you're playing him at wide receiver 13 anyways, but I think he deserves to be considered in that like, top tier. I have him above Mike Thomas actually this week i don't know about that but i will say that <laughs> i consider his hands like in contested situations as good as anyone except maybe yep. like deandre hopkins that i've seen mm-hmm. all right guy you're lower on my boy who i've been taking some heat for saying he was better than odell beckham or we had a better fantasy season than odell beckham guess what <laughs> he totally is but tyreek hill against jacksonville you got him as your wide receiver 23 that's 12 below the experts who actually have him all the way up at 11 uh also beckham the aforementioned Odell Beckham at Carolina. You got him at 12. That's seven spots. The experts have him at five. How can you yeah. have this guy at five? What's I, I he don't done, get What's that. he done this season? I or know, last not, season? <laughs> I mean, he's gotten a bunch of targets, so maybe that's what they're seeing. And I, Obviously, this pairing was not by accident because that was your original debate. Thank You've you, been taking you. some slack from it, so I wanted to make sure I got that one out there. This might be the first time I've ever said anything bad about Tyree Kill, and it has nothing to do against him. I still love the guy. He's been our boy since he began last year. You know, Since even coming in as a rookie, we loved him. So Tyree Kill, an, an absolute monster, but he is, of course, facing the Jacksonville Jaguars deep. If there's anybody who can you know, get schemed for free and Andy Reid's creative attack or burn these guys deep, uh, it could be Tyree Kill. So he might make me look stupid for te- recommending, you know, you can reconsider his value this week, but this defense has been absolutely ferocious, allowing the least amount of passing yards on the season. You know, he had that 13 ca- uh, thirteen target, nine catch day, catching a ton of little dink and dunks, and that stuff's just not there with Jalen Ramsey playing so tight. Maybe he respects his speed a little more and he still finds a couple of those short game routes, but I don't like Tyree Kill in this 
matchup. This one is one where I'm shying away a bit. And then, yeah, Odell Beckham. I just think it's name value at this point why they have him at wide receiver five. Some of the guys they have him up against, both Vikings receivers, Diggs and Adam Thielen, the leading target guy in the NFL, Keenan Allen in a blow-up spot against Oakland. You know, Golden Tate even, I think, is in a better spot. I even like Juju Smith-Schuster as the number two against that horrendous uh, Atlanta defense right now. I think all of those guys have done far more on the season than Odell's done, and they're in far better spots because like Carolina Carolina's not like a slouch. It's not like, oh, suddenly Odell has that dream matchup. He had that last week against New Orleans, giving the most passing yards and points up other than the Buccaneers, and he still didn't do anything. Hasn't found the end zone, seems allergic to it. He's getting frustrated, starting to call out his teammates, and once he's in his own head and pissed off and, and you lose him mentally, he gets shut out pretty easily. So I, I'm very nervous about Odell Beckham compared to his wide receiver five ranking. Couple guys that you got for Hail Marys here as wide receiver. One of them, I actually just picked Kiki Cote, or however you pronounce it. I picked him up off waivers. I dropped Robbie Anderson for him. I oh, loved yeah. I loved Robbie Anderson going into the year. I finally cut cut ties with him. I just couldn't justify it. The guy had like PPR had like eleven, three, two, and three the last mm-hmm. uh four weeks. Pretty gross. So I got rid of him. I picked this guy up. I'm taking a chance. Uh talk to me about him. Tell me if you got anybody else worth looking at. Yeah, absolutely. I think he for sure brings far more than Robbie Anderson at this point. I think he already has outscored Robbie Anderson's season in one game of action. Set an NFL record, 11 catches, 109 yards. And you just open at will out of the slot. He's very quick, uh, very tough cover, especially if Hopkins and Fuller are out there. I almost like him more when he's got that type of attention being taken away from him. But then you have the fact that Will Fuller is questionable. And once he came out of the game, Cote became an unstoppable force. This offense is finally clicking. Deshaun Watson seems back to full health. DeAndre Hopkins is back to his dominant wide receiver one form. And Cote, again, that shorter passing game, you know, they've stopped throwing to Lamar Miller because they've realized how pathetic he is and really seem to give Cote those intermediate short game routes. And I see another high target, high volume game with him racking up more more things. Even though the, the Cowboys defense surprisingly stout this year, I think Cote can do some more damage. Uh, one of the top pickups for sure this week. And I'm going to get real cute though because everyone's talking about Cote. He's the, the flash in the pan. Everyone's hot on him so this one's just to show off and if this guy blows up it's going to be insane and that's ryan switzer i looked at him i thought about picking him up instead i went with cody well i mean it's it's a it's a deep waiver wire i mean or it's a shallow waiver wire and there were like three guys i considered and he was probably the third guy because i I because i watched the steelers game you're joining only 1% of owners then. And I watched no, I didn't pick him up. Eyes. I want to be clear. I just considered him. <laughs> right. even, even then, so clearly even less than 1% of people. You know what I mean? Like this guy is on very few Raiders. But like you, uh, like you said, if you watch the game, you saw a guy that was pretty damn involved in a very explosive attack. He scored a touchdown a week ago and then saw his heaviest usage yet, was in on 21 snaps and got used on eight of those. Uh, snaps and that's a he's been used 35.4 percent of the snaps that he's been out there he's touched the ball which tells me that they're scheming a lot of plays to get this guy the rock and then you look at the the notoriously bad Falcons D against running backs now this guy's a wide receiver I get it but he was actually going in for James uh, Connor at running back quite a bit last week caught a bunch of his passes coming out of the backfield maybe they start to use that even more this week as a just mismatch nightmare against this team Dan Quinn since he's taken over they've always ran the worst in terms of surrendering running back receptions 
and they're at the the worst pace they've ever been at with almost over, they're over 140 uh, reception pace right now for running backs. So maybe they insert Switzer in as again the Swiss Army type of mismatch nightmare with James Conner kind of losing a little bit of luster. They put this guy in a pass catching back role. He could be an absolute nightmare. He's bare minimum 3K on DraftKings. So this is my my ultimate hail mary. I could see Switzer blowing up on nobody's team other than mine on DraftKings, and I'm gonna love it. All right, tight ends higher. Vance McDonald against Atlanta. You got him as your tight end six, three above the experts. Do you see that guy run that dude over? Absolutely. I mean, it was more, really, it's more than one dude, but the, you know the one I'm talking about. It's been unbelievable. Two weeks ago, he has that stiff arm from hell. This week, he has the truck stick from hell. The guy is a monster when he's on the field, run after the catch, beast. And against Atlanta, maybe the worst tackling team outside of the Buccaneers, he's going to have more and more opportunities to rack up those chunk plays. He's going to have plenty of red zone chances in this epic shootout that's about to be brewing. I think he finds the end zone at least once, continues to get peppered over the middle of the field and rack up yak. Just plenty to love about Vance McDonald. The guy three spots higher he's my tight end six on the week and a week where there's very few tight ends that i'm loving when you got like kelsey against the jags uh tough matchup for zach Ertz as well i could see mcdonald totally leading the, the position in points in this juicy juicy spot all right lower you got eric ebron two spots lower than the experts you got him nine they got him seven not a big deal we actually talked about ebron a little bit kind of tongue-in-cheek give me just like your 15 second version of why you don't love this guy this week Right, I'm not that much lower. I mean, there's just nobody staring out at me that I was clearly just way low on. People just ranking Ebron as that no-brainer tight end one when Jack Doyle's out. But he's struggled to find red zone space with Jack Doyle out. And now he's got the, the entire Patriots defensive attention. I really think they're going to shut him down. You're going to have a complete weak-killing dud if you're leaving Eric Ebron in there for whatever reason. All right, let's take a Hail Mary. Nick Vanette. That's right. Mm. I said Nick Vanette against the Rams. You got him as your tight end 11. That's actually decently high. That's starting. I mean, that's six spots higher than the experts. Why in the world? Why in the world should we be buying in on Nick Vanette? Of the Seahawks, baby. Well, I already talked about how I like Russell Wilson. And shockingly, the Rams have given up the second most yardage to tight ends on the season. And Nick Vanette comes in with Will Disley, the other creature who had been dominating for the last couple weeks, now shelved with a patella tendon uh, tear. He'll be done for the season. And he was seeing roughly 14 to 15% of Russell Wilson's targets in weeks one through three, especially in the red zone area. And again, you don't forget that Jimmy Graham led the NFL in red zone targets inside and inside the 10 targets last year. Year. Will Disley definitely in a decent spot to see some volume if I think this game is going to be a shootout as much as I do. And Vanette coming in last week played 83% of snaps once Disley was out and ran a route on 26 of Russell Wilson's 32 dropbacks, not really helping in pass protection, which is big when this line's so bad. He's still going out and running routes. I get it. He only saw two targets. He's never topped 27 yards on the season. But I think this week he goes for at least 50, finds the end zone at least once uh, in a a matchup that's shockingly better than the original uh, glance at it might look. All right, we're going to be back with week five burning questions right after this. All right, we're back. we got three burning questions for week five. One of them especially interests me an awful lot. 
Week 5 presents a classic case of an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object as the red-hot Pat Mahomes squares off with the Jaguars' league-leading pass defense and Blake Bortles on the other side of the ball. Is there any way that you bench Pat Mahomes? I think that's one of those cases. Remember last year, it was uh, Deshaun Watson against the Seahawks, actually. Yep. And we were both just like, you can't bench this gift from the fantasy gods. I know it's a scary spot, but he's been getting you 30 points a week. He's just too good to bench. Now, the Seahawks defense was not as scary as this Jaguars team is, but I still put this in that category of no matter what the matchup is, you're just spitting in the face of a, a complete gift if you're benching Pat Mahomes, unless you're just completely stacked we actually have a mailbag question i saw i previewed where it's like deshaun watson or pat mahomes okay in that case then maybe you can bench him for, for deshaun watson but maybe. in 90 percent of situations i'm probably paying pat mahomes he's my qb9 so yes there are eight guys i'd put above him the the jaguars are allowing a league lowest 164 pass yards on the season that's crazy low that's really uh, they've low. only Especially allowed in today's nfl that's really i know low. and only three touchdowns through the air in four games i mean that's scary scary defense and it's not by accident. They've got a great D-line, a great rush, and a great secondary. So it is a terrifying matchup. But again, you don't bench this guy after how much he's done for you. There was a sick moment where I was like, do I put Bortles in considering the matchup over Pat Mahomes? And I think I would rather just die on the sword of Mahomes than win on the sword of playing Blake Bortles. So give me Mahomes. You don't bench this guy. Even if it would make you look like a genius, it would make you look like 100,000 times the fool to bench this absolute MVP right now. I agree with you. Dalvin Cook has been one of the biggest early season busts after owners burn a second rounder on him, often over much more productive teammates, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, who last I checked is the wide receiver one in PPR, by the way. Do you know mm-hmm. that? You know I didn't know he was number one. I knew he led the league in targets and was well up there. I think he's the number one guy. I think, it's I think like, he would be too, I think actually. Like, makes sense I want to say it's like him, Thomas, and Hill or something like Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. Is it yeah. time for him to hit the fantasy pine? We're talking about Dalvin Cook now, obviously not Thielen. What do you think? I mean, yes. I think this week, especially facing a very tough Philadelphia defense that's fantastic against the run and horrendous against the pass. They're allowing the third fewest fantasy points to running backs. They've only given up 63.8 yards per game and only two touchdowns on the ground so far through four weeks. So they're stymieing running backs while allowing wide receivers to absolutely flourish. So that means I'm staying away from this offense that typically doesn't even use their running backs very much, especially not in a shot like this. I think John DeFilippo is a very smart guy. He's going to recognize that this defense cannot be run against and he's just going to split it out wide and a potential shootout I really think that Kirk Cousins will do his damage they're going to go back and forth Cousins versus Wentz and it's going to be an aerial show so in that case I'm sending Cook to the bench especially with that banged up hamstring Uh, but if I don't own him this is the week I'm going to buy low on him after he's going to probably suck once more but then he gets a matchup uh, against a fucking Cardinals defense again when I say they're a cheat code for running backs it is unbelievable how bad they are against the run I think you let him suck one more week and then you go out and you, he maybe gets another week to finally get healthy you get him fresh off a dud and put him into your lineup against the Cardinals so look to buy low on Cook after another dud this week and send him to the pine if you have him for one more week and then let him blow up after all right I'm gonna hit you with the third burning question in just a second but I'm gonna rattle off the top 10 PPR this is average by game wide receivers for you in order. Gotcha. Number one, Adam Thielen. Number two, Mike Thomas. Tied for third, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, DeAndre Hopkins. Number six, uh, oh, actually tied with DeAndre Hopkins at five, Cooper Cup. 
Wow. Golden. That, yeah, 40 point explosion yeah. last week. Golden Tate, number seven. Deshaun, yeah. Deshaun Jackson, number eight. Unbelievable. Julio Jones, uh, also tied at eight, even though the guy, I mean, it's amazing the numbers this guy puts up without uh, being able to Imagine score if and when he if ever he has scored that, like, like a few 13 touchdowns. touchdowns. Yeah, he'd be number one. He, he'd he be number one. He's averaging some. 20 points a game PPR. Without and, a touchdown. That's yeah, without insane. a touchdown. And and Juju Smith-Schuster uh, also tied in there at number eight. And I mean, I compa- compare him to Deshaun Jackson, who averages the same number of points a game, but who has probably caught like a fifth as many passes. But right, the guys exactly. scored a bunch of touchdowns. Anyway, yeah. so I digress. Burning question oh, number three. Julian Edelman, Mark Ingram, both make their returns off suspensions this week. We like both of these guys in uh, mm-hmm. the drafts as stashes. I have Edelman stashed in one of my leagues, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, can you start them? I think you can start them both, uh, especially Edelman higher on my rankings than the ECR. I got him at wide receiver 24, nine spots higher than where he's ranked by the experts. Brady was asked, you know, are you guys going to hit the ground running? And he said, no doubt. I mean, this is a guy he's built year in and year out some just unbreakable bonds and chemistry with both on the field, off the field. And I think that shit does translate. I think they do exactly hit this ground running. And it was actually a blessing in disguise for this guy to miss as much time as he did because he was coming off that ACL surgery, didn't look fully healthy healthy this summer a lot of reporters suggesting he was sluggish preseason games wasn't getting that separation he's known for but all the practice reports this week this guy's flying around looks like the Edelman of old uh, and he's obviously one of the hungriest you know grittiest players out there he's got to be chomping at the bit to get on the field he's an immediate kind of eight to ten catch candidate right in his return particularly if Gronk is out so Brady's gonna love having that blanky back and he's going to pepper him once more against the, the the blitz-happy Colts. I really like Julian Edelman this week. I like Edelman a lot, too, man. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. He blows You're up. You're rolling him out? You said you owned him. Yeah, I'm rolling him out. Absolutely. No absolutely. question about it. I'm, it's, it's not even something I'm debating. I absolutely and, am rolling him out. Good shit. And then uh, the other guy you asked about, Mark Ingram. He's my running back 16. He's actually running back 14 by the ECR, so I'm surprised to actually be a little bit lower on him. But it's clearly not significantly lower, and I still think you can absolutely use him when I have him as high as RB16. Keep in mind, he was the running back 3 once AP was traded last year, so he can be completely dominant in this juggernaut attack. Moving forward, I absolutely love him. Think he, I would consider him a, a top 10 running back in season-long type of big boards. But first week back, we do have to to see Kamara's been such an absolute monster maybe the best running back in football through four weeks and when Sean Payton was asked what's this you know back back uh, running back distribution going to look like he said we'll figure out the balance it'll be good for us offensively to have Ingram back which clearly doesn't say a ton either way but it doesn't sound like it's like oh they're back to their roles right away either so I definitely would use him. I think he's a good bet for a touchdown, especially considering uh, the the pass defense of Washington so stout, but the run defense just middle of the road. I can see him finding his way into the end zone his first week back, uh, especially at Robbie, running back 16. You're probably playing him, but you might have two guys you could go above him too. All right. We're going to come back with a probably the most jam-packed mailbag of the year so far. So we'll be back right after this. So mellow, bitch, I'm dope, and my pipe is so yellow. The blue polka dots, pink stripes, and it's pink on the title. All right, we're back. Week five mailbag, and it's a big one, like we said. Uh, acquire Grant Gronk for James White, Ben Watson, and John Brown. That's from Murray. What do you think? Gronk, if someone's going to give you James White, Ben Watson, John Brown, obviously trade questions are tough. You don't know who else is on the team. But in a vacuum, what do you value more? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, 
moving forward trade questions uh it, it's so helpful for you to tell me what running backs receivers whatever position you're going for the rest of that makeup looks like i actually hit murray up afterwards and he is very thin at tight end but had ingram coming back this week uh and had a, a good amount of receivers behind john brown that could fill in that number three spot so i told him absolutely pull that trigger i get grunk might miss this week and is always a huge injury risk i get that james white's a dominant part of this attack and will be that way moving forward it seems but and John Brown too. What a shocking you know blow up from him. I own him and have really you know I love this guy. But if you have if you're starting Ben Watson at tight end and you get a chance to acquire Gronk, I also found out this guy is three and one in a good position in his league to kind of eat a bad week by Gronk, uh, a missing week. All that stuff factors into me. Say pull that trigger with this offense. Finally going to be rounding into form. You get Edelman back, which people are like, oh, he's going to eat into his targets. No, this offense is going to become much better, especially if Josh Gordon, uh, you know, he looked a beast after the catch. And if he starts to get more involved and establishes himself as a deep threat too, Gronk's going to have that much more room to roam. He's going to have that much more scoring chances and touchdown opportunities. That's when he's at his most dangerous, when this offense is clicking. And it's about to click real hard, I think. So, yes, I'd say pull that trigger on Gronk and watch him be a, a massive stretch run hero. One of the best by lows i'd say right now in fantasy football rob gronkowski all right here is a guy wanting to know who's a desperation tight end dart throw you might have uh well we already talked about vanette and i think he's my favorite of the desperation only two percent owned so he's out there for you if you want him and if you're not looking at him if you're like that's gross i'm puking then the last guy i would consider maybe cj uzuma what team is he on? The Bengals. And after they lost, uh, our, you know, they lost Eifert, obviously, that brutal injury. At first, I was like, oh, it's Tyler Croft. He stepped in last year, was a beast in his absence. Go get Tyler Croft. And then I looked at the numbers, and this was a shocking stat to me. Uh, I forget who it was on the broadcast yesterday. Somebody, uh, a listener, pointed it out to me. Uh, Uzumas actually ran 71 pass routes to 20 for Tyler Croft. So this guy's been the one they've used much more as a pass catcher. He's 6'5", athletic guy. The, the main knock on him in his scouting report was he's not much of a blocker. He's, he's weak at the point of attack there, but he's a great pass catcher, great route runner, and uses his 6'5 frame well. Well, that's all stuff that I like to hear as a fantasy owner. So CJ Uzuma, another guy you could consider as a tight end dart throw and emergency plan if you just lost uh, Cam. Cameron Brait, or um, obviously Tyler Eifert. And if you have the room to stash Cameron, uh, O.J. Howard, I mean, not Cameron Brait. And that, he was on the mind because if you have the room to stash Brait in a bye week, they get Atlanta next week, and I could see Brait easily being a touchdown candidate to carry you for those next two weeks at tight end. Jimbo Slice of the Roto Street Journal. Full PPR question. This this guy, by the way, has just been getting pounded ridiculously in the RSJ Experts League. I mean, just <laughs> just everyone's taking a turn. Um, Full PPR question. Jordan Reed at the Saints or Jared Cook at the Chargers? I know. Cook, one of our big misses last week after we called him a must bench, he goes and scores like 23 on us. So that's the Jared Cook routine. Go, go. Oh, nowhere and then blow up uh, when you have him on your bench finally. I like Jordan Reed much more because the floor is a lot safer with him. He's going to see at least six to seven targets, especially if New Orleans is cooking and this becomes a shootout. I've already said I don't think it will be. But either way, Jordan Reed, my tight end three for the week, very high on him and his scoring upside against a bad New Orleans defense allowing over 34 points a game. I'm going to sign up for that instead of the inconsistent ride that is Jared Cook. I'm not signing up for anything uh, that Jordan Reed's on, so I I disagree with the Wolf on this completely. Um, CJ. CJ wants to know what to do with James Conner, and then we have an emoji with a guy burying his face in his hand because he's miserable. 
<laughs> you do with James Conner. It looks kind of like CJ. Permanent look right there. Just the, the face buried <laughs> in the hand, looking miserable. Uh, what do you do with James Conner? It's real tough at this point. We got Le'Veon Bell. We probably should have talked about this in the stock watch. So I'm glad he asked this question. Le'Veon Bell's kind of hinted he's going to be back after the bye. Come week eight, he'll be on the field. Week seven bye they have. Uh, in that case, James Conner instantly is relegated back to fantasy benches and back to the real life bench as well because. There's nobody more u- higher used than Le'Veon Bell after a 406-touch season. And, and James Conner has obviously filled in pretty well, but Bell is clearly, after the you know extensive look at Conner, it's pretty damn clear Bell brings a whole different element. He's, again, one of the top two running backs in the league when he's out there and he's healthy. So James Conner is going to become a bench rider. But at this point, you probably just ride him out for these next couple weeks. Enjoy the ride while it lasts because it is disappearing. You get Atlanta this week, which should be a pretty sexy matchup. But nobody's going to trade for this guy and give you appropriate value. I mean, you throw out some offers, see what you can garner. If you can get a decent, you know, you can get like a, a John Brown who might be usable the rest of the season. I'd give that up for the two weeks you got left of James Conner. Otherwise, you hold on to him in case anything happens with Le'Veon Bell. Maybe Le'Veon does end up getting traded. Maybe he gets hurt and he pulls a hammy because he's been sitting for 10 weeks. Definitely a guy you hold on to. You don't cut him and send him back to the waiver wire. But other than that, what can you do? All right. Red Soccer 45 wants to know in a full PPR league, Keelan Cole versus Kiki Kote or Koti. I don't know which it is. And Taewon Taylor. None of these guys household names really moving into the year. Maybe Keelan Cole a tiny bit. Uh, who do you like out of those three guys? Uh, that's that's a tricky one because I actually love all three of these guys in terms of just like late round sleeper appeal. Uh we already talked about Kiki, that 11-catch, 100-yard day. In a full PPR league, that has to be burned into your mind, that type of usage, that type of volume. But I'm actually going to side with Keelan Cole. Love the matchup against the, the Chiefs. I think this is the week. He's been quiet for a couple weeks in a row now. I think he reemerges like he did against the Patriots for that 7-catch, 100-yard TD day. And we see another one of those type of dominant performances. And as much as I love Taewon Taylor, uh, particularly in full PPR, he's just not going to see the volume of those other two. He's a distant third for me. It, it's real tough between Kiki and Keelan, but I personally, as of right now at least, would side with Keelan Cole. All right, CJ sent this one in for Steph Gerschlack in a PPR. He wants you to pick two of these. Amari Cooper, Robert Woods, Jay Ajayi. Give me two. I'm going to side with both wide receivers here. Me too. Uh, just a Jai facing a stout Minnesota run D that gets burnt. We talk about this a lot, but there's a lot of defenses that are kind of predictable this year where they might get burned via the pass, but destroy the run and shut it down, and vice versa. You get just pummeled by running backs, but can really stymie wide receivers. we got a handful of defense like that, and that's what the Vikings are like this year, allowing a ton of points to wide receivers in passing game, but, but stopping running backs. And I think that's a, a formula for disaster. For Jay Ajayi, especially in full PPR, you got to ride that. I mean, Robert Woods clearly the top choice here in that explosive attack and a bad Seattle defense. And then Amari Cooper, a fresh off a blow up, maybe he can finally light a consistent stretch here. I like him in a shootout matchup against the Chargers. Both those guys, my favorite two options. All right, CJ wants to know half point PPR flex. So possibly this is the Rose Street Journal League. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Sterling Shepard, Chris Thomas, Will Fuller. I guess you got to pick one, and that's assuming health, he says. 
I'll go with Manny Sanders, the clear top target out of all these options. I, I like Thompson in that shootout versus New Orleans, too. That's tempting. And obviously, Will Fuller, when he's healthy, is tough to stop. But to me, Manny Sanders is that perfect combination of floor and ceiling. Chris Thompson can just disappear and have nothing one week. Will Fuller could pull his hammy and be out. Whereas Sanders, you know you're getting at least you know a solid six to seven targets every week. Could blow up for you know 10 targets, 130 yards, and a TD. I'm going to roll with him. All right, this is one from Taylor. Calvin Ridley and Matt Breda for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, again, yeah. we, we need to know what else is there, but like in a vacuum, what do you think? It's a, I like the idea of buying low on Lev Bell, but I don't know if you're buying too low here with, again, the third leading rusher in the NFL. Calvin Ridley, just a touchdown monster, has unbreakable red zone chemistry right now with Matt Ryan. A- at least wait one more week, I'd say, with this one. Because, one, you're not getting Bell and you're not being able to use him, and you're giving right. up Brita in right. the most prime possible matchup against Arizona. Calvin Ridley Ridley's almost playing Pittsburgh, man. Pittsburgh giving up the 30th most points, uh, so second. I mean, second most points to wide receivers, 30th worst against the pass in the league right now. Both those guys problem, and so wait a week, let their prices go up even further, and then maybe inquire about getting Bell and maybe someone else to go with him. All right, Will Cotter one. He needs a running back, a wide receiver, and a flex spot out of this these, out of these four guys. This, one. this is a tough one. Joe Mixon, TJ Yeldon, Cooper Cup, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, so for me, we just raved about Mixon, and he's the clear-cut top back, in my opinion. As long as he's on the field, this decision obviously becomes much easier uh, if if you if Mixon ends up sitting. But as long as he's in there, you're riding Mixon. And I actually love Yeldon this week facing Ca- uh, the Kansas City defense that gets pummeled by, by running backs every single week. Gets pummeled by every position, but running backs in particular. You saw your Broncos, Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, both finding pay dirt. Both racking up solid yardage against them, and they're they're horrible, especially in the passing game for running backs. Uh, Yeldon is a great pass catcher for his faults as a, a tentative runner. He gets open at will in the the receiving game. He's going to find the end zone at least once, if not twice. So I like having both running backs in my lineups, and then it comes down to Cooper Cup or Manny Sanders. That's really really fucking hard. I mean, Cup I has scored hard- more points. The question is, is that like an aberration? Right, exactly. Cup had that huge 30-point day, but he's the one Rams receiver that's gone under 10 points before having a, a dud week as well. Sanders is definitely the higher floor here. Cup, uh, you know, a, a higher ceiling. You got to admit it after last week. Oh, yeah, that's I guess so. Topic. I mean, it, Sanders it, has had a 30-point game this year. It, yeah, I think I ride... Manny Sanders here, and it's damn, damn close. That's tough. So that Cup, is very tough. Out of these four great options, it's Cup that's finding the bench for me. All right. Uh, the Coyote wants to know, Deshaun Watson against the Cowboys or Pat Mahomes versus the Jags? Yeah, I alluded to this one in the burning question, and this is one of the few times I'll say – Bench Pat Mahomes. I don't know if you'll ever hear me say that a single time the rest of the season. I hope to God not. Uh, But Deshaun Watson, I think a a better matchup. He's also rounding into that cheat code type of form that had us as his QB1 entering the year. Remember all the shit we got for that? Aaron Rodgers, the higher floor. Russell Wilson, how could you ever have Deshaun Watson over him? How's that looking now? Especially after week one, too. I took so much shit from people being like, Deshaun Watson's a fraud, you loser. Well, uh, I mean, don't want to get too over-eager and jinx myself. But he that he, he and that offense just look back to cheat code form. So I'm going to go Watson just considering how hard of a matchup that is for Mahomes. When both of them come with those type of ceilings, I'll go with the better matchup, and I'm going to go with Watson. All right, I think this one's from you. Jameson it is. Crowder. Absolutely. Against or uh, or or Kenny Stills, 
You want to it's know, tough. You want to know what I think? Yeah, I do. I, I need some help on this one. Kenny Stills, definitely. You think it's Kenny Stills and it's a no-brainer? Uh, I. What's Jameson Crowder done? He last week had you know, 30, 40 yards and a TD. It's more so that he's facing New Orleans. I know. Home. I get it's, it. But I'm not, I'm not willing catch. to bet against a guy that's like – a, a proven producer for a guy. That, I mean, you know, I know Stills we still a proven producer though. I mean, every week it's, I mean, I don't know, maybe not a, maybe that's giving him a little too much credit. I would definitely take stills. Uh, I mean, Crowder hasn't shown me anything. And I mean, right. you know, we were both kind of high on Crowder, at least where I got him, like in my hometown draft, we thought mm-hmm. he was a good bargain. He hasn't done anything to live up to that. I agree. I, I mean, the last time I benched, uh, Stills for Crowder was week one, and Stills had his 130-yard, two, two-touchdown day, yeah, which would have think that would, that would there, be enough data points for you to like not do this again. Every single one of my three losses, there's been like one sit start. It, it wasn't like one of those things where it was, you know, I got blown out and I had no shot no matter who I picked. There's always been one flex decision that's ended up being wrong and ruining me. So I own it. Like, it's my fucking fault. I keep picking the wrong guy. And it's going to probably, again, come down to this fucking decision. Crowder versus Stills. Uh, it's tough. I mean, since he does get burned deep, we just saw him get bombed on by the, the Falcons. So Stills is appealing, and I, I can't... Uh, Oh, fuck, you punished me last time I buried him for Crowder. This one just is going to haunt me all week, and I'm going to probably pick the wrong one because that's what I've done all fucking year in these sit-starts for myself. I've been pretty good sit-starts for other people on the year, but I just can't get it right for my fucking self. So we'll see. Right now I have Crowder slotted in there, but I'm probably going to end up going stills. All right, I'm going to give you one on the way out here. This is a a full PPR league. I'm going to give you five receivers. I I need to sit one of them. Oh, okay. You start. Oh yeah, five. You start three receivers and a flex, and you're going to start. We actually, we, yeah, it's actually two receivers and two flex. But yes, okay. Um, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins is one of them. Obviously, I'm not going to say. But anyway, uh, then I've also got John Brown, Jarvis Landry, Emmanuel Sanders, Amari Cooper. Some good wide receivers right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm loaded at wide receiver. To me, you're you're locking in. Uh, not Cooper. He's him and Brown. I think is what this comes down to. Who are the other two? Manny Sanders, Manny and, Jarvis Sanders Landry? and Jarvis Landry. And it's full PPR. You said right? Yeah. I mean, both those guys have disappointed me a little bit lately. But I mean, I certainly believe in them both. Yeah, I don't think either of them are hitting the pine for me. Uh, despite Cooper's recent blowups, I would. I mean, probably... Cooper's every other game. Like he's an exactly. every other game guy, uh, and he's been big twice, and he's been nothing twice. And the question right. is, is he going to settle into something? John Brown, I mean, if you look at his game log, at PPR, he's gone 13, 19, 13, and 21. So. I don't put that on the bench. I mean, he's earned his his due, and benching him just sends a bad message for a guy that's been inconsistent. That sends uh, a bad message. You know what I mean? Your fantasy team won't respect you if you're playing this guy solely on name value instead of the guy who's gone out there and earned it week in and week out. Him and Flacco have been connecting just so well on that deep ball. It seems like every week – and he probably has every week had like a catch of 40 plus yards. It, it, it's unbreakable that bond. He's the clear top target. I'd say in that offense, even if, if Crabtree gets the more you know target share, I would say John Brown's the engine, the, the true vertical guy. I, I would side with him over Cooper this week. Yeah. Okay. I'm biased though. I own John Brown. So I'll admit I'm a little bit well, biased. I own both of them. And I mean, so, I, and I am right now I have Brown in and Cooper on yeah, the bench, but we'll see. What that's happens. what I would do too. 
All right, we're going to wrap things up right there. Jam-packed, kind of long podcast. Wolf, you got any social media you want to pump up? Yeah, we just broke the hour barrier, so hopefully it was you know fun for you guys to listen to Fantasy Filled. And I'll wrap it up quick with this social media. Me personally, at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and Snapchat. The main page, rotostreetjournal.com, of course. And then you can find all the socials for rotostreetjournal.com. Instagram, just the name. Facebook, just the name. And then Twitter, rotostjournal. Same with our Snapchat. And of course, as always, if you like what you heard, nothing helps us more than letting people know who we are, that you're not facing, giving us a five-star review if you loved it, giving us a one-star review if you hated it, and letting us know what we can do better. Either way, we'd rather know what we're doing and hear from you guys. It means the world to us, so review us, subscribe if you haven't already. We're going to pave that way to your 2018 title, and as Nat would say, a piece of crap that no one else cares about trophy will help you earn whatever that is. Sign up for that lead block, baby. All right, my name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. Best of luck, week five. Pack out. Later, everyone. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd. And take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show. 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 Straight ahead. Devlin. Second effort. Third effort. Touchdown. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.